BFBS The Forces Station This is Forces Sport Hello and welcome to Forces Sport Happy Monday Jules Is this where I say Happy Monday Kath? Yes please, I, I need a bit of a kick up the uh, behind today to be honest What has happened? Why are you feeling I've... so lethargic up a Monday? I just didn't sleep well It's not very interesting, but that's what happened. (laughs) Well, it's certainly a bombshell in which to open this show. (laughs) Well, actually, I wanted to open the show by two apologies. And the first is to you, Wordsmith Evans. And I'm very sorry for doubting you. Cornwallian is actually a word. For for anyone who listened last week, um, we were speaking to Sam Matavesi, who is a proud Cornishman. And both myself and Sam laughed at Jules for making up a word, which he didn't make up. So apologies for that. And secondly, I may have hyped up my visit this week to the bobsleigh athletes, which actually didn't happen, just because they were only back in the UK for a very short amount of time. They needed to see family. They're fully in preparing for Olympic mode. So unfortunately, I couldn't see them, but we we will and we do hope to catch up with them and all our other winter sports athletes ahead of the Winter Olympics and Paralympics next March. And as we're talking about winter sports, I saw some good news this week, and that is that the Inter-Services Snow Sports Championships in Maribel will take place this winter. They did manage to squeeze the 2020 champs in before lockdown was imposed, but obviously 2021 was cancelled. Now, coming up, slightly left of field this week, but seeing as we're marking remembrance, we wanted to go back over the history books and to help us, we spoke to Graham, Graham McKechnie, who is the club historian at Northampton Saints. So people just wanted to do something in Northampton. They'd lost their hero. You look at the papers, they are drenched with the the, the grief of the community, far beyond the rugby world. It was the whole town, the whole county was mourning this man who had come to symbolise all the best virtues that they like to see in themselves, of, of service, of bravery, of fun, of charisma. Now, Jules, the man he's talking about there, of course, is none other than Edgar Mobbs. I mean, I had I had a lot of an idea about the fact that he was a rugby player that obviously went off to the First World War. I know you've done various pieces on him and, and the Mobs Memorial match that has come after it, but I had no idea how good of a rugby player it was. I think what Graham um, managed to pass on to me is how he was absolutely godlike status in Northampton. Captained England, didn't he? So obviously he was of some clout some repute and managed to galvanize a town in fact a geographical area that east midlands sort of area or that part of the midlands area he managed to get a whole group of guys together the sporting battalion of which there were several during the first war during the great war and uh, that was a fascinating chance for us to chat to graham and hopefully you'll listen to what graham was saying not just about mobs but about remembrance and other things as well because he was a great a great listen he really was. I mean, we, we could have been there for hours. And continuing into the weekend and, and this week's sport, um, still in rugby union and forces sport this week, we saw another record win for the England Red Roses over world champions New Zealand. 56-15, a hat-trick for our girl Amy Kikane and um, player of the match as well. She did well. <laughs> Fantastic performance by her. I was expecting more of a, a response from New Zealand. It didn't happen. In fact, it was England who 
went up through the gears and um, they really did put New Zealand to the sword, particularly in the opening half at Franklin's Gardens. Must be something about Northampton Saints at the moment. Seem, <laughs> yeah. to, seem to be uh, converging on there quite a bit at the moment. One we we keep going back, yes. We keep going back. And uh, it's a happy hunting ground now for the England women. So they really have put down a marker for the World Cup next year, but you don't want to be peaking now. Interesting. Coach Simon Middleton came out afterwards and said, we're still not... We still need a lot to do before the World Cup. He's already thinking for next year. And he said, which was given that Amy's tries were almost identical each time from a set piece, from a line out. And all credit must go to them because their set piece worked. But he came out at the end of the game. He said he wanted to see more of an attacking game. I think he probably wanted to see the backs a bit more involved. And I suppose that's what he's looking at ahead of next year in the World Cup. I should think so. Yeah, try and include everybody, but uh, they didn't need everybody yesterday. It was almost <laughs> a, you know just the, just the front eight or nine playing playing their game and and yeah dismantling New Zealand bit by bit. Now the Red Roses go on to play Canada next week and the USA the following week. In Madrid, the Flying Fijians won 43-13 against Spain. It's the first time they've ever met in an international. I'm not sure Sam Matavesi knew what to expect from that game, so it was a good result for them. And a strong carry from Sam led to one of the tries as well. Good to see him scoring. Um, your smiling assassin, as you call him. Uh, he would have been delighted to get on the score sheet. He was, and he said, you know, that used to be a thing when he was 20, but I think even at his um, ripe old age of whatever it is, 30, he's probably still pleased to, to get a score either way. Um, still in Rugby Union, Jules, you went to some the Army Women's Senior Trials last week as well. Saw some familiar faces there. It was. It was trials, uh, open training sort of thing. So they were inviting a, a few players in to, to, to see how they would adapt to, to that sort of professional setup that the army women have um, and I had a very good opportunity to chat to somebody who's been there and done it and this is Warrant Officer Sarah Mitchelson. Now Sarah has played for WASPs, she's played for the army, she's skippered the army but she's really been captivated by how much the women's game is now being exposed to everybody else. It's on television and she was delighted with the way that that women's rugby union is now being covered by the media. Yeah, it's an absolutely great place to be in women's rugby at the moment. There's so much, uh, especially in Civic Street with the with the Premier 15s and with with the Red Roses playing at the moment. And it's really given and people have been able to see it on TV as well. I think that's a really big thing. Is seeing how far it's come, uh, and and I think it's given some people to think, oh, do you know what? I might have a go at that. And we shall wait and see how many people now want to want to go and sort of be part of either you know, Royal Navy rugby, RAF rugby. I mean, she was only talking of, of it from an army point of view, but all three services have done incredibly well off the back of the success of the sport, as she said, in Civvy Street. Now, elsewhere, Jules, Kyle Dixon, our very busy sports reporter, has been out and about this, this week. And this weekend, he went to see the Invictus Team UK in their first face-to-face -face training weekend in almost two years, all in preparation, of course, for the twice-postponed Hague Games, which take place next May. Now, one of the first people he spoke to, Rachel Williamson, who now has been an Invictus captain for over two years because she was due to captain in 2020 and the games didn't happen. And when she was named captain, she got a tattoo saying, I think she had a little C in a, like a copyright thing, a C in a, in a circle. And then it said 2020, The Hague. And of course, now that's completely out of date. Um, and she gets teased constantly about Dan a tattoo. The danger of tattoos. <laughs> no. It's the danger. She's not regretting it yet, and um, Carl spoke to her when he first got to the, the trials. 
Not 100% ideal, but I'll never forget when COVID is. And there has been jokes with biros on my arm, drawing OVID underneath it. I think I'll keep it as 2020, because um, that is technically when the games were going to be. And yeah, I think it would just be part of a, an even better story now. Now, those twice postponed Hague games take place next May. Um, and actually, I think they're still sticking with Hague 2020, a bit like the Olympics have done and the European Championships as well. Everyone's sort of stuck to the date that it was originally going to be. Um, but Rachel, what a character and will definitely probably hold the mantle for being the longest Invictus, longest serving Invictus captain. Well, of course, she's got that tattoo going on. But a former Invictus athlete, Royal Marine Andy Grant. Do you remember Andy Grant? Huge <laughs> Liverpool fan. He had You Will Never Walk Alone tattooed on his leg. But when he got blown up and lost his leg, he just ended up with "You will never walk," which, which, when you talk about tattoos, is probably up there with the very best. And do you know and what his book's called? You will, you, you will never, never walk. walk. You will never, you, I, I was hoping you were going to say that. Not you will never read. No, you will never walk. It's yeah. um, it's. I mean, there's some absolute classics out there. Um, you can go to forces.net actually and see several stories that's done on, on military tattoos. Now, Kyle Dixon was also at the Inter-Services Weightlifting Championships at RAF Cosford. This was the first Inter-Services since weightlifting was recognised as an official forces sport. And of course, they've not been able to compete like so many others because of COVID. The Army won the event overall, but here's the RAF captain, Corporal Michael Cutler, talking about how the light blue women's improvement played a big part in them closing the gap huge increase. Our first year we were probably less competitive than the women but this year the women have been unreal. Uh, the, they've, they've really taken on board what we've asked them to do. Uh, there are a lot of them are crossfitters and they've stopped, kind of stopped a little bit, taken up the weightlifting. Our coaches have been really good with them and they've excelled throughout through the whole thing and we always said the women were, weren't our strong point but this year they've been unreal for us. Now finally Jules, talk to me about men's netball it's come because there's been a little bit of clamour for it there, there was a, a de, well, not a demand but people were saying well should there should there be a men's team Good and game. the army said yeah the army have said yes there should um so the army had their first trot out at the weekend don't think it went particularly well because they were playing <laughs> one of the best uh, men's netball teams in the country but um i saw them training so fantastic to see the guys out on the court it's it's an alternative to other forms of training perhaps if you do circuit training or this is a chance to get out and work those cardiovascular systems and also the hand-eye coordination going on because as you know as a as a netball player there's a lot of that going on isn't there you do it's i don't know if i could be classed as a netball player um Mm. my recreational um outings every monday evening but i tell you what they do make my fitbit explode with activity so so you're more in it for the social than the actual no, no it's, not, it's not like we go for a drink afterwards, but it, it's just a really good run out on a Monday night and it's it's only recreational level. So, you know, I'm not playing to, to their standards, but it's it's such a good game. And like you said, cardiovascularly, whatever position in a really good game. You say Fitbit, it's more of that sort of ankle tag that the prison service put around you, didn't they? And when that flashes, you're giving your prison guards the run around. That's for sure. My uncle is when does that come off? When does that get removed, it's, by the way? It's a bit sore. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably have to replace it at some point. Just a reminder, you're listening to Forces Sport on BFBS with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Next up, our conversation with Graham McKechnie, the club historian at Northampton Saints Rugby, and a chance to move away from our current crop of brilliant Forces sports people and remember those from 100 years ago. It always has been in rugby's DNA to serve, uh, right from the origins of the game. 
uh, really could look at why we have rugby and part of it is to train young men uh, to go off and serve, be it in various corners of, of the empire or within the military. So I think when the First World War came around, uh, it's no surprise at all to see that virtually everyone in, from the rugby world joined up. It was a different story in, in football uh, because football was a professional game and it wasn't so easy just to drop everything, especially when you were told the war would be over by Christmas. So footballers didn't join up in the same way uh, and they were hammered for it in the press. Uh, there were certainly some scores being settled there against the professionals of football as opposed to the amateurs of rugby. But that's, that's another story. But it was absolutely a core value of rugby then uh, to serve. So, and you'll see there's the famous recruitment poster urging other athletes and other sportsmen to join, which even then in 1914 highlights rugby, saying that, I think it's, the, I can't remember the precise wording, but everyone who played international rugby for England the previous season was now with the colours. And that's no surprise at all. that They just joined up en masse. Perhaps the best recruiter of all was Edgar Mobbs, particularly yeah. for Northampton Saints. So tell us a little bit about Edgar Mobbs, because those from the army will know his name because they play the annual Mobbs Memorial match. Who was he? And how is it that that match is still played? Well, Mobs is, uh, I, I think you can still feel his presence uh, at, at Saints. There are still pictures of him everywhere. He's still a massive figure in the history of this club. Uh, and it's, it's difficult to know where to start, really. Right? Who, who was he? Well, first and foremost, he was a rugby player. That He was the first uh, man from Northampton to captain England. Uh, he wasn't their first international, but he was the first one to captain England from Northampton. Uh, and he was a legend, even in his own time here at Saints. If you're someone like me who likes reading old newspapers, uh, the papers were full of uh, eulogies for Mobs as a rugby player. He ran up and down this left wing here. Uh, he was tall for his day. He stood at over six foot at a time when men were generally shorter, uh, especially the working men. And Mobs stood over six foot. As a back really stood out, uh, he had fair hair, he had a high knee as he ran along, he had a very powerful handoff. It was said that he would knock them down like nine pins when they came to uh, try and tackle him. So he became a legend here at Saints for his try-scoring exploits. A remarkable number of tries, he'd be scoring five or six on occasions. And whenever you read about the way he scored them, it was, the, it was a sensation really, that he was weaving through, looking for contacts, smashing people, and just they just absolutely loved bit like you in the Christmas sales. <laughs> <laughs> very similar, I'm sure. But very, he was just loved here at Saints. And really, his significance for this club is that it lifted Saints, a provincial club, up into national recognition. They had good players before him. They had internationals before him. But really, I think, during the pre-First World War years, it was when Northampton Saints became one of the preeminent clubs in, in England, really, alongside the likes of Leicester and Gloucester and the... And the well, the fancy London clubs as well. So that was his rugby. That's why he was known. And if it, weren't, if it hadn't been for the First World War, he would be remembered as a great rugby player here in Northampton. But uh, the reason he's gone and got the, acquired this even greater status is what happened in the First World War. It, it's a famous story in these parts that in 1914, obviously in August 14 when war was declared, you have these images of thousands of men lining to, volu <coughs> to volunteer. Now, mobs, so the story goes, and the thing about the mob story, there's a fair amount of myth around it as well. But even when you strip the myth away, it's still a cracking tale. Mobs went to try to join up. He went down to his local, so the story goes, to his local office to uh, enlist as an officer. Uh, and he was turned down on the grounds of his age. He was turned away, uh, age 31, they said he was too old. Now, I find that quite hard to believe, frankly. I think it's more likely that between the army and mobs, they very quickly concocted 
a, a recruitment idea uh, to send him away and bring men with him because that's what happened. But the story quickly went around all the newspapers nationally as well as locally that mobs had been turned down and that he was raising his own battalion of men or a company of men as it turned out. They were rugby players like him. There were a lot of rugby supporters from Northampton, but not just from here, from Bedfordshire as well, uh, from Gloucestershire, from all over, really. They flocked to join with mobs. They had about 400 volunteers, and in the end, there was about 250 who joined with mobs. They were past fits and deemed fits to serve, and they joined D Company of the 7th Northamptonshire Battalion. That's the long-winded name, but they were known as the Mob Zone then, and they still are now. A famous, well, I was going to say company, actually eventually became known, the whole battalion became as Mob's own. He started as private, he very quickly went through the ranks and he ended the war, or ended his life I should say, as Lieutenant Colonel Mobbs, commanding the 7th Northampton Battalion. How is it then that there's a rugby fixture that takes place annually because of him? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting how quickly the idea um, germinated really. That the, the official first Mobbs match is 1921. Uh, which was here at Franklin's Gardens. It's played between the East Midlands and the Barbarians, two of his great loves. He captained the Barbarians, he captained the East Midlands, an entirely appropriate fixture. Uh, but actually, if you look back in December 1917, so just a few months after Mobbs was killed, they played a game at the county ground uh, in Northampton between uh, uh, servicemen, uh, South African and New Zealand servicemen who were stationed in the area. And that was known as the first Mobs Memorial game. If you look at the advertising in the newspapers, it's the Mobs Memorial match. So people just wanted to do something in Northampton. They'd lost their hero. You look at the papers, they are drenched with the, the, uh, the grief of the community, far beyond the rugby world. It was the whole town, the whole county was mourning this man who had come to symbolise all the best virtues that they like to see in themselves, of, of service, of bravery, of fun, of charisma. I mean, he's a man you would want to meet. Everything I read about him, he would just light up a room, mobs. People wanted to know him. And so when they lost him, the, the, sense of, the, the palpable sense of grief was really shocking, even now when you look back. And so they wanted to do th something in his name. They built, the, they built the statue, the memorial, and they started playing this Mobs Memorial fixture. And do you think people who come to the Mobs Memorial match these days, do you think they understand the significance of it? I mean, is the fact that they're here a sign that, that they yeah, do? Yeah, I, I, no, I do think they do. I, and I think uh, with, uh, with the club, uh, I think Saints are a club who have a very strong sense of their own history. Actually, even, probably even more so these days with Chris Boyd at the helm, who's got, a, as a New Zealander, has a real sense of uh, the importance of the shirts, who wore the shirt before you. So I think within the club, there's a really strong understanding. But actually within the wider community, Mobs is someone who will be talked about in primary schools, along with Walter Tull, who was the footballer from Northampton Town. Mobs is someone who will be taught in primary schools. So people do know about the story of Edgar Mobs. And that's his greatest legacy, I think, that uh, he is still held up as an example of all that's best in us. Very fitting war memorial tucked away in the corner. Not many grounds have a no. war memorial so prominent. So yeah. I'm guessing that Northampton Saints are, are a side who are very proud of that military connection. Yeah, it's, well, it, it's telling, isn't it, that the war memorial is within sight of the, of the pitch. It's moved around a bit over here. I, I remember it being over yeah, there. It's been right behind the post, they've yeah. moved it. Yeah. But even when they moved it, when the new stand came up, it was a priority to keep it within sight of the pitch, which I think shows, I mean, I said that service is in the DNA of rugby. Well, I'd, I'd say military uh, service is within this club's DNA as well. And you've got recent examples, of course, of people like Tim Rodber, uh, and Matty Stewart, 
Uh, and uh, so there are obviously recent examples. But I think it goes back, well, you can see there are names there from the First and the Second World War, some great stories. Now, one of the things that you've done as a historian is that you've taken members from this club to the war graves in, in France and, yeah. and, and Northern Europe, and you took a, an old soldier and an old player, didn't you? Was it Tim Robert you yeah. took? What, yeah, what, what were his thoughts when you presented him with you know, <laughs> all these beautifully manicured graves, but these were once players, people, well, soldiers? Yes, again, I think with, with Tim, uh, for people who know Tim, he's, he's pretty hard, he's a hard, hard man. Uh, but he'd always wanted to go to the battlefields. It was interesting taking him because he gives, he looks at it as a soldier. He was standing, I remember looking at the Battle of Luz, immediately talking about it, you know, the, the total lack of cover. So he, he looked at it still with a soldier's eyes. Uh, and over the days, again, it's an example of how he will have talked and learned about the First World War a lot in his life, but had never really sat down and followed one single story. Uh, and I, he won't mind me saying that he was deeply affected Firstly, by he read the uh, he read some words the, the uh, at, at, uh, at the Menin Gates. We, he laid a wreath and he read the "They shall not grow old as we who are left grow old." He read that out at the Menin Gates, uh, and uh, he, he he sat down with us afterwards and he said he he compared to leading England as he did or playing in World Cups or playing in the Lions. He said that's the, the most nervous he had ever been <laughs> was reading that the that out at the Menin Gates, uh, and was obviously very emotional as well. Uh, by the whole experience. So it, it, it still matters a great deal, doesn't it? These men may have gone uh, a move well beyond living memory, uh, but it can still have the, the, uh, the impact on and even people like Tim Robber. So interesting. I've been to um, Eeps myself and, you know, with um, the Rugby for Heroes charity and Mike Tyndall saw the grave of his great, great uncle, um, Harry Tyndall, I think it was, and he was visibly moved. And it's not because I think, oh, he's a hardcore rugby player that I think he shouldn't be, but he'd only recently found out that there was a relative buried there, and to and to hear how young he was, and you know what he, how early they lost him and stuff like that. Um, so it's not surprising that someone like T Tim Robbo would have that effect on him. Now, should you want to hear more from Graham McKechnie, then you can by visiting the BFBS Sports Show on YouTube. Plenty more from him and some really interesting story about characters that were involved in both the world wars, as well as how he gets the modern day players like Tim Robber, like he mentioned, involved in their club's history. This is BFBS. BFBS. The Forces Station. This, this is Forces Sport. Now, Jules, uh, you know, I feel overwhelmed every week by the amount of sport that's on. Any highlights from you from, from the international scene this weekend or this week? Um, the, the, the one player that stood out for me, I was really impressed with Darcy Graham. He is a Scottish winger stroke fullback. He was playing on the wing for Scotland at the weekend as they beat Australia again. I don't know what this is that <laughs> the Scots seem to have over Australia. I wish they'd pass it, some of it onto the Welsh. But yeah, well done to Scotland. In uh, football, a bit of manager manager moving around oh, for yes, another the week. The managerial merry-go-round <laughs> continues. Uh, lots of Villa fans, including our own Kyle, will be devastated to see Dean Smith go after what, five defeats is that is that where we are now is that the benchmark if you if your team doesn't win in in five then off you go um m maybe i don't know so villa fans will be looking for a a new manager or hoping somebody comes in i hear that stephen gerrard's name is in the frame so 
Well, he seems to be in a frame for most of the managers. Well, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, Newcastle. I don't think he's going to go to Norwich because Norwich need a new manager as well. Daniel Farker has has gone. I think that was just a coincidence that, or is it coincidence or is it irony? Anyway, as soon as Norwich win, he's given his marching orders. The board had clearly made their minds up. I don't know the business model at Norwich. I can't, Norwich, I can't imagine it's the same. They've got the same funds as Newcastle, so I don't know who's going to take over there. But um, and uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has survived this week. Has probably survived the international break. Can he keep it? The, the, can he keep at the helm for Manchester United any longer? Do fans still want him there? I don't know. They were they were outplayed again. So, but well done, West Ham. They're looking strong, aren't they? Yeah, looking great. Looking great. Um, and uh, look- just can I just look down because it was FA Cup at the weekend. And um, yeah, I was. That's really where impressed. I was going. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, you read my mind. But I was a, a, a really good win for Colchester United. Now I don't know because Colchester is is a garrison town, and I noticed that uh, the Colchester United kit they've got the old camo going, the camouflage sleeves. So I didn't know if that was an homage. Is Ooh. it an homage to um, to sixteen air assault who are based in Colchester? I mean, I don't know if you're if you're based in a in that area. Do you go and watch your local team? I, 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 I know assume that... so. There's a lot of them there. Well, that's it. I mean, you did certainly fill the ground. But why don't you let us know by emailing at forcesport well, at bfbs.com? Plymouth, Portsmouth, all these places where we've got um, military people based. Do you of a weekend go and? Go and enjoy the local club. I, I think Aldershot may have struggled. I don't think they've recruited well. <laughs> Another notable game in, um, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but St Albans, it was a shock win over Forest Green Rovers, 3-2. Now, am I right in saying the Army under-23 are going to be playing Forest Green Rovers in a couple of weeks' time? Yes, their youth set-up. I think yeah. that's a, a tester ahead of um, next spring's under 23 into services so that's penciled in hopefully that will go ahead and finally just looking a nod to the cricket of course um, on the international scene uh england losing to south africa but safely through to the semi-finals where they will face new zealand and pakistan the favorites unbeaten pakistan of course playing australia and the final will be next sunday on the 14th there are two semi-finals this wednesday and thursday Any... yeah, well england's first defeat in the tournament to south africa okay it was a, a dead fixture dead rubber but um but the the thing from that was that jason roy has looked like is he got is his hamstring is he was clutching his leg he didn't look good did it yeah so, um... well he he also went into he had quite a crash when they were fielding he collided with the boundary not the rope but obviously the the boundary edge and mm. i didn't know if it was related but that seemed to the upper part of his body so possibly oh. this is a recurring injury oh. but that seemed given it was only a loss by 10 runs i felt that roy the roy injury had a bit of an impact in that sense yes it would send a little bit of a wobble through the batting lineup and also knowing that job was done but they not that professional players they all hate losing don't they yeah. they hate losing they hate losing even if it's a, a dead fixture um now what's in your diary this week jules um i think it's important to note we've got a live streamed game um this remembrance day which is thursday the 11th the ucaf uk armed forces football women against the chelsea sort of under 18 development side and that's going to be being played at king's meadow and we'll be showing that live on the forces news facebook page from 7 30 in the evening on thursday so please either get along to that or um 
or please watch the the live stream on Facebook. Should be a good game. I went to see the Chelsea girls in training at the weekend just to get a, a bit of a preview from them and their captain Emma Thompson, who's only seventeen, eighteen, and she was. Oh, not the Emma Thompson. No, not the Emma Thompson. Day, she's not going. Dame, Dame Emma Thompson. <laughs> no, she's a, a younger version. But um, yeah, and an impressive setup, obviously, at the um, Chelsea training ground. But a really good fixture to have. And and like we've said before, it's been two years in waiting to try and get this fixture up and running. So that would be a good live stream to watch. Um, elsewhere this week, James Simpson, former soldier James Simpson, will be playing for England against France in two wheelchair rugby league matches. That's this Wednesday and Saturday the 13th. England, of course, um, were supp- well, we were supposed to be hosting the R- Rugby League World Cup for the men's, women's game and the wheelchair game. So these games have been organised in the absence of that. And James Simpson is a, a player that obviously we want on the on the podcast at some point. Um, you can see those games on BBC iPlayer. Um, and also Rugby Union for the Forces, the under-23 inter-services tournament gets underway this week with the Royal Navy taking on the RAF in Plymouth on Wednesday. And then the subsequent two Wednesdays, we'll see the competition play out so um good to see some some young guns out on the field before the the full inter services gets underway next year now like i said earlier if you like what graham mckechnie had to say please listen again or check out our other conversations with your armed forces sporting stars you can find them all by searching for forces sport at bfbs.com slash podcast or on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast you can always catch up with the latest news and sport at forces.net of course we've got loads more quality conversations with our athletes to come here on forces sport and of course if you know of someone we've missed who deserves the call to get get onto our podcast you can email us at forcesport at bfbs.com it would be great to hear from you please let us know how we're doing and what you want to hear more of jules anything you're looking forward to this week no it, as we are entering that uh, the, the peak of remembrance i hope whatever you're doing for remembrance goes well and uh, we should be thinking of all of our forces family wherever you are around the world if you want our signatures, Jules and I will be at Twickenham on Saturday for England Australia. Oh yes, it's a it's a, it's a sports <laughs> podcast outing, isn't it? Outing, yes. Yeah, yeah, trip out. Yeah, we really do. Jules only gets out once a year, so um, you know. Well, I so like do to you. Now him. you've got your tag round your ankle. <laughs> anyway, until then, have a good sporting week, whatever you're playing or spectating. For now, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Jules. See you next week. <laughs>